You're tuned into Cowl Fans, a popped off production, the casual fans' home for Overwatch League news. We're coming at you from our respective homes in the Tampa, Florida area. I'm Allure Moore. I'm Haller. And, uh, you know, I, when we were talking about this show yesterday a little bit, when we were texting, it just sort of felt like a really light week until we actually got to where we are now and ready for the, today. And now it feels like a pretty heavy week. Yeah. Yeah, so um, we got plenty of stuff for you, in spite of my best mm-hmm. efforts to not have plenty of stuff for you. <laughs> and uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, before we jump in, I'm going to go ahead and uh, selflessly promote this mug. Yes. Go to our Zazzle store and buy this mug. And if we get enough people to buy this mug from our Zazzle store, we can create something that's embroidered, like a hat. Because we run on a zero budget. So we have to raise like 15 bucks to do that. And every time you buy a mug, we get like 10 cents. So go buy a bunch of mugs. A lot of mugs. It's like 150 mugs or something like that. Every cowl fan. Every single cowl fan. Please go buy a mug so we can get you guys cool cowl fans hats. As cool as we can make them anyways. Um, <laughs> all right. So jumping into uh, speaking of hats and things that are uh, you look at. Yes. We got several new looks coming in for the Overwatch League this year. Mm -hmm. Um, In addition to the new colors for some teams, we're also seeing some uh, new jerseys being teased, along with Mm -hmm. in-game sprays for attending matches. Yes. So I'm super hyped about both these things. Um, I'm actually, I'm very curious to hear your opinion, because I haven't discussed this with you yet. And you're like our traditional nerd right so i want to i want to get your take on on the um on the on the new jerseys how did you how did you like them so i jerseys yeah um so they they actually showed more than just a jersey in that little teaser video yeah i'm having trouble figuring out honestly what's what um the jackets that i've seen the chengdu hunters players in mostly i really like that style Mm-hmm. Um, I really haven't liked any of their more recent jackets. I liked my... I've got one of the uh, Florida Mayhem jackets from the inaugural season, which I like a lot. I just like the way it looks. I like the way it feels. Yeah. I like the way it fits. And then I really haven't enjoyed anything else that they've put out. Um, and honestly, the jacket from that inaugural season is that kind of material that just snags really easy and gets stuck forever and i'm never it's never gonna look right right again once it snags so um i'm probably in the market for a new one so i'm kind of happy that those look right um as far as the actual jerseys go yeah i i i think i like that they still look like jerseys they just look like they're not made out of jersey stuff which is they they actually do look like they're made out of jersey stuff do they okay thing so if you in the little video that they included so Business Wire was the first to okay. kind of put out this article, and I found theirs is the most cohesive, like even more so than the Overwatch League article. Okay. Um, and they have like a little one minute long video that you can watch to really just kind of it shows a lot more than what you see in like the pictures of Baby Bay, Jonak, Sinatra, and Space mm-hmm. that kind of been uh, circulated the most. Gotcha. Um, but they like they do a close up of the sleeve at one point, and you can see there's it. like it's it's got that like breathable 
um, sort of dry fit okay. wear that the that the old jerseys used to have, particularly the jerseys that weren't the the authentic inaugural season jerseys. So you know how like otherwise they had like kind of the dotted sleeves, I guess right. is the way to say it. And I'm not sure, mesh. Um, and looks kind of similar to that. So it actually does even the closer you get to it, the more it looks like a jersey. Um, I'm interested to see if player branding is going to be on it. I think that's my biggest concern right now because so far from what we've seen in the video and in the pictures, there has been no individual player branding. Yeah. But I don't know if that's just because those were early prototypes for the photo shoot before they get out like the player specific ones. But um, I would... I would, I would, I still want some kind of way to like rep my favorite player. Right, right. So, and you already don't have that in team skins in game. So, like out of game, I think I would still want some kind of like player personalized <coughs> merch. Oh, excuse me. Hopefully that doesn't go away. Bless you. Thank you. Um, but overall, like I, re I really do like it. There's like all sorts of little fine details. Um, like on the shirt, there's a little slit right at your side, so that when you sit down, it um it more it like it'll it'll be better when you're sitting. If you if you understand what I'm saying, right. I try to describe right. it. It looks like it'll bit. sort of move with you a little better as a person yeah. who's sitting in a it, chair. There, yeah, there's like these little small um attentions to detail um to to fit what's gonna be. Um, needed for a gamer and what's cool as well is that as you pointed out there's like jackets and stuff there the whole uniform isn't just like last year it was just basically like hat shirt and sweatpants um, all those things are still there but um, there's some additional things as well I have the article pulled up so I want to read all of the different aspects here because I think they say it here but I know on top of that there's so there's a compression sleeve that's individually branded for each team. Okay. Um, there's a beanie as well. Um, oh, here it is. I found it. Um, I mean, short sleeve jersey, long sleeve jersey, jacket, compression sleeve, hat, and beanie. So yeah, like it really just lot. feels like it's um, because you know last year we saw a lot of players coming out in a long sleeve undershirt to try and sort of make up for yeah. the fact that they just had these short sleeve options. Because it really... tends to be cold to keep these computers cold, right? Right, right. So it really just feels like it was just a smart play, and they went, you know, yeah. we really need something that's a little warmer, um, something that mm. moves right when you're sitting, not necessarily active wear. And it, right. last year's, the past two years, it felt like active wear. This feels yeah. like this feels like good, comfortable, everyday mm. wear that's branded for a team, so you look like a unit. Yeah, and I think that'll be nice, too, for the everyday wear point, like... Uh, just as a fan oh, yeah. like i'll feel less weird about like wearing this like casual fridays at work versus wearing my old like florida mayhem actual jerseys that look a lot more like a jersey um right. so I, I think the the, the merchandising aspect uh I'm, I'm i like it i'm about i'm about the move i like that they collaborated with the actual streetwear um artist in order to in order to uh, push this out, that I wasn't more fanatics focused or anything like that. Right, like it's going to be good quality stuff. Here yeah, for yeah, and then um, and then they've got sprays for those who are attending matches. Yeah. I think that's a good thing. I yeah, really... I think that's kind of flown under the uh, under the radar. But if you attend a home match, they're gonna you can't just buy the tickets. You have to like geolocate there. 
Oh. Um, probably, or they, or the team's gonna give out, give it out, like as they're going through the door. It's a little unclear how it's gonna work. Um, and it seems like it might be, it might vary from team to team. But if you actually go to the matches, um, they will give you an in-game spray. It'll, they'll give you a bunch. It's like for the first half of the season, there's ten team sprays that you'll get for attending any match. Wow. And then for the second half of the season, there's ten individual team sprays that you'll get so if you only go to one of the home stands you might miss out on your team spray which is a little bit unfortunate but if you do go to a home match you get 10 sprays total so right ups and downs to it but it it's, it's a pretty cool a pretty cool way like individual teams individualized team sprays besides just like the logo will yeah. be nice and they look like they're actually like kind of being designed in like a graffiti esque style, um, to like feel more like an actual spray, which I which I like as well. So I, I think it's a cool way to, um, you know, um, gamify. I don't gamify isn't the right word, but to well, um, it really just felt like it felt like the past two years. If you went to an event, you were out of luck because that you know watching online yeah. was your way to get skins and your way to get stuff in game. So if you really yeah. wanted to enjoy all the perks, your best bet was to watch it online. We went to the Atlanta homestand. That was right. two days worth of games that I didn't get credits for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well, I went to Overwatch League Grand Finals in the inaugural season. I didn't get any of the sprays for watching the Grand Finals, although right. they did implement a way that you could geolocate yourself during um, the Grand Finals in Philly mm-hmm. to be able to get the sprays, but the, it didn't work. At least, at least for me or anybody else, <laughs> <laughs> right, so it it really feels like they're just going. You know, these people are paying money to go and see the event. They're not watching yeah. it for free online. We're making a, a more direct dollar from these people. Let's give them a little something too, the same way we gave to the people who mm-hmm. are watching online. And I think that's a good thing. Um, I don't really think there's anything for else sure. to say about it. It's just a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. I'm looking forward to seeing the Florida one. Yeah, it should be slick. Um, so in addition to some new looks, we've got some player movement as well. Um, we have Envy, um, in the order that I can tell, looks like released and then retired, but probably a concerted effort, all things considered. Basically, like, the, the news came out at the exact same time, yeah. But released and retired is the right. way I saw it on my Twitter feed. <laughs> um, we have Cool Matt retiring, but I think he was already released. Um, he wasn't already released. He wasn't, so he's just retiring so yeah, he I think he cleared up the spot for Jexe. Mm. Um, we have Fearless to Shanghai. We have a whole slew of players joining the Hunters out of nowhere, Aiting, Molly, and Langsa. And then we have mm. two new players added into the spark, Colvist and Mika. And honestly, I wanna say the biggest surprise here for me has is the Hunters, because yeah. Hunters really felt like they had everything locked in. They had their mm-hmm. seven or eight players. They were really happy with them. They worked really well together last year. Um, I was a little nervous that they weren't going to make a ton of improvements because of that, but I also, they had a special kind of team synergy that nobody else had. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then here we are, less than a month away from the start, and three new players. Let's go. And I'm just like, um, this is, I didn't expect this. I'm not real sure how to respond to it. Yeah, I mean, I was expecting something, like, there's been rumors of people joining Chengdu forever, and right. they hadn't done any roster announcements, like, 
at all. They've just been quiet literally all off season. Mm-hmm. Um, like this was them just announcing Leave for the first time, and we've literally already seen Leave play with them. <laughs> so yeah. um, it is a bit surprising to see everything coming so late, and it's not like some information was leaked on who was leaked in quotes um on who was supposed to be joining the team and those those actually didn't come to fruition so it's interesting to see who they did end up with um i'm happy that they picked up a ting who is a um he's a tank player known more so for like his ryan and his winston right so that's i i feel better about the chengdu hunters knowing you have a more traditional main tank um and you aren't fully relying on Ameng to just be weird or hopefully be in a Rissa meta. Um, so I do like that move. The otherwise, so that besides Leave, who I've already discussed on this show, and if you haven't heard it, just Leave is a nut. He's <laughs> just as good as Jinmu, if not better, but on basically every hero in the game and might be better on like heroes like Farah and the heroes that Jinmu is known for. He's insane um so jinmu's farah gave people enough issues last year i'm excited to see a chengdu that's going to have two dps players that are just stupid um but the other two pickups they got were a support duo so they picked up the main support and the um the flex support for i believe it's their academy team i'm not 100 sure on that but lge huya um so they picked up the duo which is interesting to me because i think veltal is really good um Mm -hmm. already so i wouldn't really want to move away from him i don't know much about this support duo um but the only i see kyo the weakest link to be the weaker link i guess in chengdu outside of ameg's holes and his um hero pool right so I would see like maybe Molly, the new flex support, maybe being played instead of him. But I also, if you pick up a support duo, I feel like they probably wouldn't split up that support duo. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see. Um, maybe this will be a thing like I'm expecting, especially if we stay in a BAPS Zen meta. Maybe you see double flex support because flex supports tend to have better um, hits. Um, Aim. aiming capability, mechanical skill, that sort of thing. But Thus, aim god. A Veltal's <laughs> mechanical skill is pretty good too. So I, I don't know. Uh, the support picks are probably the most, the biggest question mark for me. I don't know where they really fit in. If they're just going to be riding the bench, if they're there for internal scrims, what might be happening? But um, yeah, definitely some interesting changes from the uh, the hunters. I think the other big one for me. Two. Did you mention the Hangzhou Spark pickups? You I did. did. Right? Coldest I did. And Mika. I did. Um, Coldest is considered to be like the best flex support um, in the Chinese region. So, although I really like Bebe, Bebe seemed like he was the best of the not great flex supports, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you had like your top, like Jonak, J- um, Twilight, Shu, Bedoshin, Saz, Violet, um, so on and so forth. Like your, these are your elite, elite um, flex supports. And then like Bebe was like never quite on their level, but still quite good. Um, I'm hope Coldest might be better than Bebe and like really kind of like push okay. the Hangzhou Spark up a little bit, who is already a very good team. So 
I like that pickup. Mika, I don't really know much much about. Yeah. So no no comments on Mika. Yeah, I think I think really just the things that were that were big here were the Chinese teams. Um, fearless yeah. back to Shanghai just is, Which is act- interesting, but I don't. I like it. Um, I thought fearless back in the inaugural season was one of the better main tanks despite being on the Shanghai Dragons. Like yeah. I was always hot on him and Otto, and I it felt weird that he didn't make it back last year into the season at all. Yeah. Um. I but he he has been crushing it in contenders in china and i had some questions about stand one because in contenders he was just he did his job he was never spectacular so to have a little bit more of a flashy main tank like um fearless on the team and now shanghai can just play whatever main tank's doing better i feel better about shanghai's chances with with that duo yeah i'm always in support of deepening your roster so that you can pick the best person Mm -hmm. for the job that day Especially, especially if the person you already have is a question mark. Like, right. it's it's good to have a backup there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then just re- just announced over the overnight, I, mm-hmm. um, Diem is on medical leave. Um, give us give us that information again because you just told me. Yeah, this. so I'll just I'll just read it verbatim. So this is a it's it was posted on the Shanghai Tri- Dragons. Um, what is what is that website called? Um, one of the Chinese Weibo, yeah, one of the Chinese go. social medias. I think it's it. It doesn't say for certain, but it looks like it. Um, and it's translated from OW Beacon. They they're often translating things from the Chinese scene. So um, this is their translation, but it says DM from Shanghai Dragons is currently receiving treatment in Korea. He is in stable condition and has gotten permission from the doctor to participate in online scrims. He needs to take a one-month break, according to medical advice. We look forward to DM's return, but whether he will be able to attend the February homestand will depend on his health condition. So far, the team has started regular fitness lessons and will place a greater emphasis on players' health management in the future. Mm. So, it's a little... The fact that they're talking about the team placing greater emphasis on players' health management tells me either the team overworked him, or he was just not taking very good care of himself, and the team wasn't paying attention to that. Um, yeah, which is I feel like unique. in the off season it was probably the latter, right? Yeah, that's. Like, I don't think they've been doing too much right now. Like right. most teams, they they um they boot camped maybe in um in November, and then that was it. They've been like off for most of December. Yeah, that seems to be what's been going on. So, um, but interesting to note that he's so at least a month of not being on the stage and not doing traveling. Mm-hmm. Well, a, mo- a month from now in right. game. So the Shanghai's homestand would start in four weeks, um, a, a little bit less. So four weeks from this past weekend. So uh, they're lucky that um, the Pacific East play in the second set of homestands, not the first week. So they get a little bit more time for DM. Right. But I think it's going to affect the team ultimately because the team's going to be scrimming a lot, right? Um, and and they say he's online. available for online scrims, which most of the scrims are going to be online. But I wonder how much they're actually going to scrim him considering his condition. I could see him being left out of scrims a lot um, and maybe just being played here and there. So you might not see DM much at all. Um, the first stage, which I would be worried about, especially like considering like his his Hanzo's kind of cracked, and we're we're going into a Hanzo meta. You would want to have 
um, DM there, but luckily for the Shanghai Dragons, they just picked up Fleta. So it's true. you have a pretty competent sniper player backing him up if you need. So I'm not, I, I think, I think they'll be all right. Um, you could always play Ding on Hanzo as well and Fleta on May instead if it is May Hanzo. So I think they'll, I, I think they have a deep enough roster for it to, uh, for them to survive, but DM might be the best hit scan we have in Overwatch. So it is, it is unfortunate to know that uh, we might not be having much DM. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Um, so moving on away from players into the caster realm, and I, I don't know how much time we want to spend on this first piece. Yeah. Um, so so it, it may just be better to use this as a springboard into our next piece, but um, okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, so new information here, because uh, Malik decided not to come back to the league, which isn't super new. That's been, that happened basically right after we recorded last week, I think. Um, yep. Um, and we've also seen some reports that on-screen talent was offered a, a decrease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That just doesn't is, feel good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's something that I feared what was going to happen because it feels it feels very uh very businessy. <laughs> it does. Um, it does. So like there the the claim or what was being reported was the claim is something I, I very much imagined being being something that would uh, be brought up. So we went from having broadcast Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday to having just Saturday, Sunday broadcast. Right. There's more weeks of broadcast because there's no like scheduled breaks or anything like that mm-hmm. where the whole league isn't playing. Um, but that means for your average work week, your your employees for the broadcast are essentially working half, half as much the time. time. So I guess they they saw that as justification to well cut the pay. There's there's a couple things that are in there because. A pay decrease would generally be interpreted as a salary decrease. Yes. But um, I cannot imagine that the league was getting ready to do this without planning on putting up their um, casters in the spaces where they needed to be for those weekends. Yes, I imagine that as well. So that's a perk. That's that's part of – that may not be part of your salary, but that is part of what the league is ultimately spending on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just went up astronomically for the league. So, yes. so they might have diverted the salary a bit into that. Um, right. That's definitely a fair point to maybe consider because I think the numbers that was being reported, it was a Dextero article that kind of went in depth into this. And right. They were reporting about a 30% pay decrease on average. That's a pretty huge um, pay decrease, though. So, yeah, it's it's pretty significant. Again, it's covering travel, but I imagine for people like desk analysts in in LA, like that's just that's just a straight cut. Right. So for desk analysts, yes, and then I am going to use this as a springboard. Um, moving on into like Monte Cristo issues. Um, okay. One of the things that Monte was frustrated with was the sheer amount of travel that was going to be required of him as a caster, which was going to prevent him from creating the other content that he makes as a content creator. Mm. So to have increased travel, meaning you can do less personal projects, which are money makers for these people, and Mm. then have a pay decrease on top of that. That's a really tough, that's a really tough spot to be in. 
Um, and it doesn't yep. make it very appealing for anybody other than people who are trying to get into the scene in the first place, I think. Um, so like ZP is a really great example of somebody who deserves to be in Overwatch League, I think. And yes, here he comes exactly. into Overwatch League, but he probably wouldn't be here if, you know, if he was making more content on his own and getting more money out of that, that would probably right. be a significant impact on whether or not he showed up in the Overwatch League this year. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, like, um, someone like a Vast, like his co-partner, would join the desk. Like, I know a lot of people are rumoring that, but he has a stream, like his companion stream makes pretty good money from from subscriptions and yeah bits and those sorts of things so like he's probably better off even monty hinted at him was like keep doing your streaming thing when yeah. he left the overwatch league and avast was like best of luck to you thanks for whatever whatever all your advice right. um so yeah so anyway speaking so, of monty <laughs> yeah because this is just this is just my favorite thing that's happening right now and it's very entertaining to me i going on for like two weeks now right it two has at least and and i'm enjoying it because i first off full disclosure i like monte cristo mm. um an unpopular opinion um i enjoy the gentleman i enjoy his analysis i enjoy his style of communicating and i enjoy his very blunt nature um, i don't agree with him on everything but i like the guy um, unlike Nate Nanzer, he is not keeping silent at all about his reasonings for his departure. Nope. So, um, we have the illustrious Pete Blastelica doing an interview, which I think can only really be interpreted as a damage control interview, which Monty yeah, is jumping down this guy's throat now going, um, look at you mm -hmm. announcing an announcement. I thought your league was in good shape and you should just announce your deals when they're signed but you don't have a signed deal. So you're announcing mm -hmm. that you're going to be releasing one soon. Uh, and that's, I think that's a fair point. And then on top of that, um, in that same article, and now the article I read was on Esports Observer. Yes. And um, which is a really great news site for this kind of stuff, honestly. And, um, mm -hmm. and so Pete also mentioned that um, some of these departures in casting talent are due to the league attempting to create the best level of casting talent that they can have with the people who know the game the best. And that's, I, I think it's hard to say that, um, I think it's hard for me anyways to interpret that as a Pete saying that they fired these people because it's pretty clear to me mm -hmm. that they were offered their contracts back and chose not to resign them um, right. for their own reasons. And, but that that's how the that's kind of how it reads if you didn't if you weren't following all these people it kind of reads like yeah they may say that they quit but we kind of let them go and so, Monty got cut up on that and said no 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 um, we all definitely left for our reasons and yeah it's not good and we don't want to be there anymore mm -hmm. so and I feel like the the esports observer article exasperated a little bit because it was like the there's a statement where it says it was a it was a property decision to let go of these um and these players so that existed so the esports observer article basically just re-reports on what was posted in a sports um a sports business daily right. um article where where this interview originally t took place with pete so 
some things I feel like got lost in translation and lost in in context as okay. they basically um, what's what's the right word they, um, they 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 tried to adjust the article in such a way that they would not be caught for plagiarism if they were to turn it into their professor. Gotcha. Right? So it's like it's like it's all the same information but in a different order and the quotes happen in different places and it's a little bit of the original context is lost. So in the original article, it talks about, um, you know, it, it basically says it was a property decision, and then it, that Pete said it was a property decision, and then they give his actual quote where he never says the words, it was a property decision, but says what you said, that it was um, the league is trying to pick up the best available talent, or is get is putting the best available team. Right. Um, and then that kind of just got blown out of proportion because sports business jail um the sports business journal is behind a paywall so most people were just reading that esports observer article um not having any of the context of the article that first came right so um it's it's a it's a it's an unfortunate situation i definitely it's it's again not a good look for pete um mm -hmm once once again just an, another notch on that belt <laughs> yeah for, for, for pete but um a rough time since he kind of took over uh, yeah for nanzer um but go ahead i think i i mean it's i think it's fair and not fair for monty to, to respond the way he did like it, it's not quite the full picture like i don't think um for him to respond the way he did like it's not really quite what pete said but if, if that's the impression that's being given off um i i understand right to just like say that i wasn't fired i quit right kind of thing to, to kind of protect your personal brand and just kind of get that information out there in the best way possible because like he, he got that information out there yeah he did <laughs> yeah he did so so uh yeah it's it's pretty crazy all the way this is kind of blowing up a little bit. Um, another thing that it feels like is is being talked about here is Monty's one of Monty's frustrations here is was also um, the amount of travel being put on to the casters and the fact that there weren't already more casters hired by the time his contract renewal was up. Um, mm -hmm. I kind of had to go digging through his Twitter feed to find that kind of information. So it was kind of a pain. It's not easy to see that. But right. that's not a surprising thing to see either. And and he's mm. right. There really should have, well before his contract was up and before that announcement happened, we really should have seen new talent signed on because this is not, you know, without the yeah. teams doing sort of hosting their own spaces and taking care of these kinds of things in their in-house, which is mm -hmm. what I would have recommended. Right. Um, They're really kind of stuck with, having to send these people all over the world all the time. And if that's the case, right. you're not going to get away with four caster duos. Five? Four? I think we had four caster duos, right? Yeah, four. Yeah, that's just not enough. You can't send two caster yeah, duos to a new city around the world every week and expect them to just do great yeah. at it again. Because I think I think there needs to be scheduled breaks for these casters, just like there are for the team. And I assume you need at least two caster duos per homestand. That's what I would think is at least two so, caster duos per So I feel like you need at least five or six caster duos. I, I'd so, say you need to start at eight caster duos. I don't think you need that many. I don't know. That gives you, yeah. 
But there's, uh, sometimes there's only eight games a week. That's just one caster doing duo doing one game. Yeah, that's. I don't it, think everyone will always have a week off. Sure. So it's just one of those things, though, that it's just they needed more and they needed them already. And now what we've done is we've gone and lost three of the casters from duos, which is a duo and a half. We've put together three new or four new one new casters, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we're really only up a net one. Anyways, we're really only up like a net one caster, not even a whole duo right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, that just doesn't... Something's wrong with that. Yeah, they and as people have said, like with all this talent departing, like Pete even says in the interview that um, I, he uses the... I'm trying to remember the exact term he utilizes, but he says like certain corners of the community or something along that aspect have been able to control the conversation around the overwatch league because of the lack of the announcements from owl itself yeah that was mentioned in the esports observer article as well yeah so he 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 admits to that and like that's that's been the case like they've literally haven't been releasing like anything any information it's been such a slow trickle um well but it has not been a slow trickle of people leaving and the people who have been leaving have basically just been able to control the conversation. Um, Monty's friends with a lot of members of the esports media who have never been kind to Overwatch. Right. Right. <laughs> so it's no surprise to see them be unkind to Overwatch in, in response to Monty's departure um, and, and other members of the, uh, the talent team. So yes, yeah. it, they they need to say something and at this point i'm i'm not expecting it anytime soon probably just the week before like the last two years we'll just get a giant article of all the new talent and that'll be exciting but they'll wait to the last minute to begin that hype the the real difference though is it feels like you know the way the people are interacting and dealing with pete talking about him yeah clearly he's not communicating well to the people underneath him yeah there's some communications breaks that are hurting them and maybe they're maybe they are communicating well, and there's that big of a difference in ideals. Um, maybe it's possible because uh, I know, like you know, Monty's big on the tournament style. Really doesn't like the regular season. Yeah. Um, I I knew that, but I didn't realize like the degree to which it was going on until until yeah. I started diving through to try and get prepared for today, and mm-hmm. it's enormous. Like yeah. it's huge issue to Monty, and I don't. I think that's one of the places where I fundamentally disagree with him because yeah, it doesn't sense. feel like Overwatch attracts traditional esports fans. No, um, it does not. <laughs> and reg- and regular gamers, um, who aren't esports fans, in my experience and your experience recently, thanks for your tweet. Um, <laughs> is that regular video game fans who aren't esports fans are fundamentally offended by esports? Yeah. Um, on top of that, um, to put it up in a way that has no relevance to anybody who's going to be a new fan, since regular esports fans are kind of crapping all over Overwatch as what right. it is, you, you have to find the middle ground there somewhere so that you can attract new people. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think this is probably the best way to do it. It's, um, it's something that people understand, right? Right. Like, I feel like you have to write a novel to explain like something like the League of Legends format which i do not understand at all yeah see it's it's very it's very convoluted <laughs> right <laughs> well so. this is this is very straightforward there's a regular season and there's a playoff 
Like, I feel like just having to explain double elimination is enough of a barrier for a lot of people That's... when it comes to playoff time, right? Which I like double elimination, but it's not, it's not something that people are inherently used to. Um, right. But it makes it so much easier. Like, um, I was explaining, so I was playing Scategories, a little anecdote. I was playing Scategories um, a couple weekends ago with my family. I can't remember if I brought this up here or not. And you but, not. Um, Okay, so I was playing categories with my family a couple of weekends ago, and the, we happened to roll the letter O um, for one of our categories, and it was a it was a sport was one of the one of the one of the lines you had to do. So if you haven't played categories, you have to write something that starts with the letter O. Um, so I I wrote Overwatch because that's all I could think of for a sport, and I'm like I'm not sure if any of my family like my brother wasn't there who watched esports. It was literally just like my mom, my aunt, my grandma. Yeah, you weren't sure if you were gonna get voted that out of there. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Yes, if they were if they were going to accept that, and the response was, "Oh, it, well, it has a league, so it's a sport." So like this is it's 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 really is a legitimizer like having these localized teams having this league format something that reflects what you see in yeah. every other major sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I disagree as well. I think I think yeah. it's it's the right move and one of the one of the many draws that no. the Overwatch League has. But it, I think I think you're going you're going to have these fundamental differences. Um, it's always going to happen. And to Monty's yeah, credit, when you're when when you're hiring esports talent who only know the esports scene as scene as it's been, right. And to Monty's credit, I think, and and this I do agree with him on. Um, the Overwatch League is an important esports league. Um, mm-hmm. it's the first one to try to localize. It's the first yep. one to put together anything like this. And Monty likes the localization model. He just doesn't like the regular season model. So for him, it'd be mm-hmm. localized with tournaments. And think about the big investors and the big names we have in this too, like Robert Kraft. Yeah. Um, and and all these all these like huge investors. There's yeah. like lots of big sponsorships that like even league is in the historically struggled to kind of secure, like Toyota, Coca Cola, these sorts of things, right. right? Um, all these big brand names have been associated with the Overwatch League, and if Overwatch League was to fail, that can make investors a lot more hesitant in the future because they've seen all these big names get involved in this it's not like some random organization i'm trying to think of someone who's gone out of business like all splice i think they're still around they just rebranded but like someone like splice or something like that or like optics the world or optics there you go the world doesn't take notice right right yeah where if um Robert Kraft was to get involved in something and it failed, then then everybody notices. Big big money notices. <laughs> yeah. So 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 yeah, so. it is. It's it's an important it's important for all esports probably yeah. that Overwatch League does see success. And then there's a whole other conversation to be had with the Call of Duty League coming in, but yeah, you know, maybe so I just, for another day. <laughs> that's just that's just something I think that we all need to keep in mind. You know, even the people who dislike Monty, which I understand mm-hmm. why they dislike him. he's he's pretty easy to dislike um Mm. even those people i think it's important for us to all remember that he still wants this league to be successful because that's good for all of esports if this league is successful Mm. um so he's really not trying to fight it or shoot it down he's just wants it to to do good um Mm -hmm. and it just happens that his ideals for that are not in coinciding with pete's ideals for that which right. it's possible that nobody's ideals coincide with Pete's because I have no idea really what this guy is about. Um, he doesn't yeah. come out and put himself out there like Nate Nanzer did. And yeah. he really... And the way, 
people describe Nander, Nander seems like it seems like more of a mediator, mm-hmm. um, and being able to find that middle ground between what traditional esports um, members would think and what traditional like sports because they have a lot of sports um, man executives right. um, running the the league office. So he was able to usually find middle ground between what they're used to versus what what esports people expect and think is best. Yeah, so um, I think. Uh... I, I think that maybe there may there may be some somewhere in there where the Overwatch League needs a needs a PR person who can sort of cast the vision to the public of whatever Pete's vision may be because right Definitely now we just don't like they could do a PR hire right because right now we have no idea what Pete's vision really is and that's a that's a yeah. problem mm-hmm. that's a problem so that's all we got do you have anything else. No, um, maybe I'll just say I, I remember Pete was originally brought on as a temporary commissioner while we were searching for someone in the in the leave of Nate Nanzer, but we haven't heard a lot about that since. And then Pete's now the maybe commissioner also for the Call of Duty of League. Yeah. I'm not convinced yeah. that he was actually going to be the temporary commissioner. I get the feeling the plan was just to put him there. Maybe that was his plan all along. Yeah, so not, not, not how it was initially. Um, it's not how it was sold to, to us. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, that's about it. No. So, yeah. All right. Well, that's all that we got today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, big thanks to Popped Off for all of their support and help to us. Remember, we're available on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on socials for whatever we post on our socials. I'm Alura Moore. I'm Alice. And you have been tuned into Cowfans. We'll see you next time. <laughs>